Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. First Corinthians chapter 12. So verse 7 again begins what we know of a, of a recognition of what is the manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Meaning that they're evident. They're evident. If they're manifest, they're evident. They show up. Notice again, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Say, everybody has them. As the Holy Spirit wills. Say that. So again, these gifts are given. Now realize, we don't cause them to function. Did, did what happened there, Pastor, when you prayed for him? Was that the gifts of healings? No. No, because I would have noticed that there was a presence of God to come upon me if that would have been the case. But you don't have to have that. You just got to know the word, speak the word in faith. He believed it. You know, the thing that a lot of people still don't get about faith, you have to believe you receive before you have. Got to believe you receive before you have. God will see that you have it if you just believe to receive it before you have it. So in this case, though, clearly he gives us a definition or understanding of these manifestation gifts in the context of the following verses. Nine gifts of the Spirit given to each one of us as the Holy Spirit wills to use them. Verse 8, for to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Verse 10, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of that tongue. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. Get that. One and the same Spirit works all these things. We don't make them work. We don't make them work. Here's a side note for you. If you are trying to make things happen in your life that you think is God's will, you will fail. And you'll most likely be deceived and misled by God. You don't make things happen in your life based on what God desires. All you need to know is listen, hear what he says, do what he says. He'll make it happen. A lot of people are trying to make things happen that they don't realize in doing so, you're out of the will of God. Because first of all, it may not be what God wants you to do anyway. Even though it might be good in the sight of God, you can't make things happen when it comes to God. Well, you can't make the gifts of the Spirit manifest. You just got to do what's necessary as we'll get to at the end of this part. You got to do, not tonight, but at the end of the gifts. You got to do what's necessary to be available to be used by the Holy Spirit. He's the one that chooses whether they manifest or not. We got to remember that. Amen. I got to make myself available. He's the one that makes me able. I got to make myself available. He's the one that makes me able to do what? Use those gifts because he distributes them as he wills. I don't, I'm not the one that, that causes me to be able to do that. He empowers me to do that. I make myself available to him to do so. Amen? Amen. So again, we're talking about the first three tonight of the category of the different gifts. There's three categories and we're going to touch on the first three, which is the gifts of revelation. So again, Sunday night, I did an overview of all nine gifts. 
I gave you the three categories, the nine gifts. I gave you a basic definition. Tonight, we're going to start by looking at each one of those categories of gifts individually and go into these in detail and see examples from the Bible so we can understand them better. Now, the reason for us to constantly study these gifts, no matter how many times you have, is because of what 1 Corinthians 12.1 says. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Truthfully, most Christians honestly still are very ignorant when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorance means you lack understanding because you haven't taken time to learn. Realize getting understanding of these gifts takes head knowledge, but it's not head knowledge we want. We want revelation of them. We want these understanding of these things to come alive in our spirit, man. A lot of people don't understand it's not your brain that grasps a hold of the things of God. I'll say that again. It's not your brain that grasps a hold of the things of God. Your brain has to be trained to listen to the Bible, listen to the Word, so that your mind, which isn't actually your brain, that's a part of your soul, can pick it up and then begin to do what? Relate it to your spirit to where it gets in your heart. And it becomes revelation to your spirit, man. So you got to understand this. We don't need just head knowledge of the Word of God. We need uh, knowledge of the Word of God. You can't walk in faith where you don't know the will of God. So surely, yes, your knowledge gives you understanding of it, but not revelation of it. It's just a part of the process of how you get to the point of revelation. So God doesn't want us to be ignorant. Say he doesn't want us to be ignorant. Of what? Spiritual gifts. We need to understand them upwards, backwards, full, you know, uh, forward, sideways, every way there is possible. We need to know everything about these gifts and see them functioning in the Bible. One of the things you want to learn about these gifts is once you understand what they are, as you read the Bible, because I know you do consistently, hopefully every day, you, you recognize where they're in operation. You see them where they're in operation. These gifts operated both in the Old Testament and the New. So of the revelation gifts, first and foremost, we're going to go over again the word of wisdom. So of the three revelation gifts, there's a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. So we're going to start with the word of wisdom. Go to Isaiah 53. So to, show, to explain these to you, I'm just going to show you examples. I'll reread the definition of what it means. But the, one of the greatest ways, of course, to be able to teach anything anybody is to show them by example. So the word of wisdom means a revelation of that which is in the future. It is a revelation of that which is in the future. So revelation here doesn't mean it's something I know with my brain. No, it's something that comes to you by way of the Holy Spirit to your spirit man. You didn't know it. The Holy Spirit brought it to you through your spirit man. He doesn't bring it through your mind. He brings it to your spirit. Your mind perceives it and picks it up. But this can be seen multiple ways. You can actually get a word of wisdom through a vision. You can get a word of wisdom through a dream. This is proven throughout the Bible. You just need to know what a word of wisdom is. Then you can see it functioning throughout the word. But just remember a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, all these gifts are for us in the New Testament as the spirit wills. Now, in the Old Testament, almost all of these prophets, like Isaiah, function in words of wisdom. This is why they were called seers in the Old Testament. Seers, meaning the Holy Spirit would help them to see things of the future, which would be a word of wisdom, revelation of something of the future. And that's why they were called seers. Now, if God gave me a word of wisdom, 
about any situation in a person's life, any situation in my life, whatever, if God gave us a word of wisdom individually about something of the future, does that make me a seer? No. That just means the Holy Spirit used you to give you a word of wisdom. But in the Old Testament, that was what they were called because every prophet of God, every priest of God, every king anointed by God had the presence of God on them. Those three offices of people under the Old Testament function with the anointing of God on their life. Or they couldn't do what God called them to do. Amen? Amen. So that's the kings of the day, which God anointed. The, the actual priests of the day that served the people. And also the prophets of the day who were seers in the Old Testament. Isaiah was a seer. He was a prophet. I love this one. This is a word of wisdom given by Isaiah. By God through Isaiah, by the Holy Spirit, about our Jesus. About our Jesus. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. I love this one. So when you read these verses, you're not just reading them saying, oh, those are words about Jesus. What should, be, what should you be recognizing? This was a word of wisdom given by God through Isaiah because it hadn't happened yet. It was revelation of something to come. Amen? If you think about that, it will help you function in these gifts easier. God will be able to use you in these gifts easier because you'll fully understand how they function. So in Isaiah 53, 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs, talking about Jesus, and carried our sorrows. Now you should know this. I've taught you this. If you look these words up in the, in the Hebrew language, the word griefs here is actually our sicknesses. The word sorrows is our pains. Our pains. What did he do? He bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. So clearly Jesus did this through the time that he was here being afflicted at the whipping post, hung on a cross, right? But when Isaiah said this, he's declaring as if it already happened. Because in the eyes of God, as far as he was concerned, it was a done deal. But had it happened yet? No, it had not. So here's a word of wisdom coming to the prophet of Isaiah, literally for what we now get the blessing of knowing about because it's actually taken place. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. So even in this case, referring to Jesus, although it's sounding as if it already happened, it hadn't. It was prophesying what he would obviously do for us. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our inequities. Chastisement for our peace was what? Upon him. And by his stripes we are what? Yeah. Now, if you, don't know, if you don't know it, what you can take note of here in verse 5 is powerful real quick while we're on it. He was wounded for what? So the word wound here is pierced. Remember what they did on the, on the cross? They pierced his side. And blood and water flowed out. So this is referring to the inner transgression or sinful nature that we had within us. He took the wound for us to be obviously delivered from that sinful nature and to be made brand new. He was bruised for what? So bruising for our inequities means the sinful acts that we would carry out. Because he removed that sinful nature, he was also bruised to do what? To help us to overcome the aspects of sin in the natural. To overcome the flesh. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Peace means our well-being. It's the word shalom, to have, have well-being. And in essence, to be, in, in a sense, have all that's needed. All that's needed to be whole, as Kathy said. So this was dealt with through the chastisement that he went through. And then last but not least, by his stripes we are what? That's not spiritual. 
because the context of transgressions was spiritual. This is physical. By his stripes were what? It's amazing. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today. Say it with me. Jesus is the same. No, like you mean it. Jesus. No, like you're excited. Come on. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, forever. Forever. So look at his ministry. Did Jesus heal? Yes. Is he the same today? Yes. Is he the same forever? Yes. Healing didn't pass away. I love what, I love what the Lord showed Brother Hagin when he got healed off his deathbed. Because what he showed him that was the, one of the key nuggets that brought him off his deathbed. He was told by all religious people of his day, healing passed away. That's not for us today. That passed away with the apostles. But the Lord kept showing him the story about the woman with the issue of blood. Remember her? And, she, and after she touched the hem of his garment was healed, Jesus, feeling power leave him, turned around because he's being pressed about by the crowd, said, who touched me? So she admitted, well, I did. And of course, then he recognizes her. And what does he say to her? Do you remember what he said to her? Your faith. Your faith has made you whole. And what the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin was, he said, I have a question for you. Has faith passed away? Because if faith passed away, you can't be born again. If you can't be born again, there is no salvation. The book's a lie. The whole, the whole Bible's a lie. But you know that's not true. And therefore, if faith did not pass away, guess what else hasn't passed away, Kenneth? Healing hasn't. If her faith made her whole, guess what your faith will do for you? It'll make you whole. That's a powerful truth that a lot of people need to hear when it comes to healing. Because for healing to pass away, that would mean faith would have had to pass away. But it hasn't. I said it hasn't. So this is a prophecy by Isaiah about what we now know Jesus did. Right? This was prophesied literally many, many, many years before Jesus came. Now 2,000 years since that happened. But this was a word of wisdom. So you need to see this. You need to see this to understand how this gives function. If you're not going to be ignorant, go to Joel chapter 2. Go forward to Joel chapter 2. If you're not going to be ignorant about these, these gifts, how I many know we're not supposed to be? We need to see them and acknowledge them working in the Bible. Do you hear what I just said? For us to not be ignorant of these gifts, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? We need to see them working and operating in the Bible. As we read the Bible, we need to see these gifts functioning. We need to be able to recognize when we're reading the Bible, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was a gift of the Spirit right there. That was a word of knowledge. That was a word of wisdom. That was a discerning of spirits. That was a working of miracles. That was a gift of faith. You listening? That was prophecy right there. So we need to acknowledge these gifts functioning in the Bible. That helps us understand them better. Not only that, it helps you understand literally as you see all kinds of people being used with these gifts, God will use us as well. That's why he gave you the gifts. So understand, of course, again, under the Old Testament, they didn't have what you have. Only, only a handful of people could use these gifts. But in the New Testament, everybody can function in these gifts. Here we have a prophecy of Joel. Again, a word of wisdom. This is a word of wisdom from Joel by God through Joel talking about something that would come to pass. So we talked about what Jesus did. How about the Holy Spirit's work that we're talking about? Joel chapter 2. This whole power of Pentecost teaching we're talking about literally started to actually manifest and come into being in Acts chapter 2. Of which if you go read again 
after the Holy Spirit came upon him, what did Peter stand up and say? This is what Joel spoke about. You're seeing what Joel prophesied. This is it right here. This outpouring of the Spirit. Well, how did that come about in relationship to them having knowledge of it? Joel had a word of wisdom. Yes, it was a prophetic state. But see, people see it only as prophecy. What kind of prophecy? It was an exhortation, edification, comfort. It was a word of wisdom. Something that was to come. So in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, here Joel said by the Holy Spirit that it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. You ought to get excited about this stuff, man. Verse 29, also on my men servants and my maid servants said that be me. What's, the, what's that? Those who voluntarily serve Jesus, serve God. I will pour out my spirit in those days. So realize it started on the day of Pentecost. It did not happen in Joel's day. He prophesied it and it is, a, it is known as a word of wisdom. Something, revelation of something that was to come. Now ladies and gentlemen, that is still, that is still unfolding. That revelation hasn't stopped. We're still under that same dispensation of outpouring. It didn't just happen on the day of Pentecost. It began there. And it's still going on. It's still a part of what we should be seeing in our lives. And when people don't come to church and get excited about this stuff, they're never going to see these things manifest. They're just going to be bored to church and fight through it and get out and get out and do my thing, do whatever. You're not going to experience the benefit of the power and the glory God wants on your life. This is something you've got to hunger for. This is something you've got to have a passion and desire for. I mean, if you think about something that you really wanted to understand, know, and learn about that you had no knowledge of, and you found somebody that was an expert at it, and they were going to be able to sit down and help you and develop you and show you how to do it, how excited would you be? Why would you not be about that, about the gifts of the Spirit? I'm not an expert, but God is. The Bible is. I have seen these gifts function, but I'm just here to tell you, you got to get excited about these things. The reason the church is not seeing these things function, they're not earnestly desiring them. What you earnestly desire, you get excited about. You get excited about. You want to know more about. Amen? So here's a prophecy again from Joel about what you and I are still walking in. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll see another word of wisdom given by Paul through the writings that he actually wrote to Timothy. And this applies to the day we're in as well right now. And this was 2,000 years ago. This was a word of wisdom in a letter. In the midst of literally Paul writing a letter to Timothy, this is why we know these letters obviously again are significant because they're God-inspired. It wasn't something coming out of Paul's brain. He's obeying God by the Holy Spirit's leading writing these letters of relationship, this, this book to a young Timothy, young pastor Timothy. But this is a God-inspired book. That's why the scriptures are all what? All inspired by God. God breathed. So watch this. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Here he is writing this letter. Verse 1, he says, Now the Spirit, excuse me? Tell me out loud. Watch this. Expressly says. Explicitly says. See, when the Spirit of God gives things that relate to aspects of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, 
It may not be a whole paragraph of something, but it will be precise. It will be explicit. It won't be like, well, maybe I kind of sort of thinking. No, he didn't say that. He said, what again? The Spirit expressly says. Well, who's hearing this from the Holy Spirit? Paul is. Paul knows exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now, if he could, how could we not? I said, if he could, how could we not? Too many Christians are fuzzy about being able to hear God. Maybe my next series we get into coming out of the power of Pentecost. But you need to see this again. The Spirit, the, the Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. May that not be you. If you're on Facebook, may you go read one of Carrie's last posts. <laughs> I wish that was shareable. It's not shareable. Uh, understand this. You and I, as God's children, know that in the latter times. Now, guess what? You're there. So this prophecy is now being fulfilled. In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits. What will they do? What will they do? How is it these people are going to actually depart from the faith. What do you mean depart from the faith? I believe this also means some will deny Jesus. But it also means just simply departing from active Christianity. Our pastor studied this for years. He said the term the faith, referring to what believers should do, is active Christianity. What a follower of Christ should do. Well, guess what? I'm telling you right now, look around to how many claim they're believers. And they ain't walking like what Christ walked like. They're not walking in the footsteps of Jesus. If they were, churches would be filled. People would be being healed. People would be delivered. There'd be people getting born again because people would be out sharing the gospel. But they're not. So this is clearly something we see fulfilled in our day that we're in the latter times. Latter times, some will depart from the faith. and not going to be me. I hope you're saying it in faith in Jesus' name and with commitment. It's not going to be me. I said it's not going to be me. What's going to happen? They're going to give heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, I'd really like to teach on that, but I'm not going to. I don't have time. But I will say this about it. You getting caught up, not going to happen, I pray, with a deceiving spirit or doctrines of demons, don't do so on purpose. You're deceived into it. You're deceived into it. If, it, if, it, if you knew it, you wouldn't be caught up in a deception. You'd know what you're giving into. And the problem is, Christians can get deceived by the aspects of what Satan wants to falsely teach and mislead them with. How does he do that? Multiple ways. That's a whole other teaching for another day. Offense, you get offended at the teaching of the word. You get offended at your pastor or something he said. Why didn't he dodge me tonight? Why did he say that about me tonight? I wasn't using your name. I wouldn't say anything specifically about you. You listening? You get offended. If, if the devil can't get you offended at your pastor, he'll try to get you offended at somebody in your church. There's lots of ways Satan tries to work on you to get you caught up in doctrines of demons. Well, they did happen to say something about me, Pastor, church family member, and it wasn't good. Okay, what have you done about that? What have you done about that? What do you mean, what have I done? Shouldn't they do something? Well, they already did what they did. What are you going to do? You listening? Have you already forgiven them? Are you walking in love? Or are you going behind their back and talking about them? Have you gone to them to ask what they said? To find out what it was that they said. How many, how many know that a lot of times if you really went and just got clarification from somebody, not just assuming, sometimes you may find out they didn't realize they said that or in that way. And even if they did, guess what you do? You forgive them anyway. They're not your enemy. Bible says love your enemies. Well, shouldn't you love the brethren? Absolutely. Absolutely. So doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits work by simply getting people to start listening to the wrong voices. 
listening to the wrong people. But this was a, a word of wisdom by Paul given to Timothy through a letter that he wrote about the very day we're living in. Amen? Amen. Now, there's a whole lot we can go over, but for the sake of time, we cannot continue to just keep going after every single example of the Bible. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of different examples of the Bible, words of wisdom, that even Jesus had. Remember what Jesus said about himself? Guess what Jesus said about himself? Three days, three nights, the Son of Man will be in the earth, and then he'll be raised from the dead. You know what that was? That was a word of wisdom. Yeah, but he's God. No, in the context of, yeah, he's God in flesh, but while he was walking on the earth, no, what do you, look, you know what he considered himself? Son of man. He was functioning as a man. How did he know he would be in the earth three days and three nights? Holy Spirit, word of wisdom. You listening? Gave him a word of wisdom. Told him, as he was speaking to those people, you'll be in the earth three days and three nights. That was a word of wisdom. Jesus functioned in these gifts. Can I get a better amen? So there's lots of examples of words of wisdom, which is what again? Revelation that comes by the Holy Spirit supernaturally. Revelation of that which is in the future. You can't just peer off into the future and come up with something on your own. Well, you could, but that ain't good. That's not what we're talking about. You can't sit here and all of a sudden mentally assent to, Lord, I need a word of wisdom about this in my future. Da, da, da. No, it's only as the Spirit wills. You just stay yielded to the Spirit, obey to do what you know to do, and I'll guarantee you what, God will take care of you. Can I get a better amen? First Samuel, come on, we're going to study tonight. First Samuel chapter 10. You're okay to turn to some verses, right? Because in this context of what we're doing in our series now, this is kind of going to be more study mode, which means more verses. And I'm not spending, of course, you'll see a lot of time on these verses. You can tell I want to on some, but I'm restraining myself in Jesus' name. But if you'll go to these verses, we'll get to show you examples of what we're talking about. So the second of the revelation gifts is known as what? Word of knowledge. Definition, knowledge is a fact. Say it. Knowledge is a fact. Words of wisdom sometimes could be revelation of what could come, but there's some, sometimes that the church can do things to avoid it. But in the context of a word of knowledge, it's a fact. It's already happened or is happening. So this is revelation. Say revelation. Revelation of what is or has been. Revelation of what is or has been. Not because you notice it. Not because you see it. That's not revelation. You can see it. If you see something happen, well, look at there. Praise God. I got a word of knowledge. That's happening. No, you see it happening. This is revelation to you of something you wouldn't have known. You would have known about it. No idea. Relationship to what you having revealed to you by what's going on currently or has happened in the past. No way you'd have known about that without the Holy Spirit showing you. Th these things are not mental ascent. They are not quote unquote ESP. They are not, they do not come from mental brain power. This all comes as the Holy Spirit wills to show your spirit these things. So I got to keep reminding you about that. First Samuel chapter 10. So in this context, how you remember that the children of Israel wanted a king? Come on, everybody else got a king. We want one. What God kept telling them, you don't need one. Why? Let me be the one to continue to lead you, God. Let me be the one to take care of you. No, 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 no. We want a king. So guess what? God has no choice in relationship to man at some point. He has to give over to the, he didn't, I mean, he didn't have to, but in the sense he knows that I can't lead them. They want a king, so I'm going to have to anoint a king. So he does. Remember the first king he anointed? Saul. King Saul. So he literally reveals to Samuel, the prophet of the day, Saul's going to be the guy. But you know what they can't do? Can't find him. So he knows now, okay, Saul's the guy. Where is he? Guess what? God knew where he was. So God knew right where he was. And he showed Samuel where he was. 
So here they are talking about Saul in the uh, previous verses, 20 and 21, being the very next king that they were clamoring for. Verse 22, notice this, Then then they inquired of the Lord further, and they said, Has the man come here yet? Where is he? In other words. So where is he at? Why is he not here? The Lord answered and said, There he is, hiding among the equipment. What happened? The Lord answered. They inquired. The Lord answered. You know, sometimes while we don't have these things functioning in our life, we don't inquire. We don't inquire. We don't ask. The Lord didn't reveal it first. They inquired of the Lord. I said the Lord didn't reveal it to them first. They inquired of the Lord. They inquired and then the Lord answered. Say he answered. If they without the Holy Spirit living in them could hear God this clear, how could we not? Because we just don't know how to hear it. God is the most intelligent being you know. Tell your neighbor, you're pretty intelligent, but you're not as smart as God. Come on, tell them. Tell somebody, you're pretty intelligent, but you're not as smart as God. Now, isn't it amazing? We're intelligent enough that we can talk to each other in a way we can understand each other. You're telling me God can't do that? He most certainly can. We just haven't learned how to communicate with him. That's the problem. God has no problem talking to us. We just have a problem really hearing what he's saying. But they didn't in the context even of the Old Testament. So the Lord answered and said, well, there he is. There he is right there. He's hidden among the equipment. They'd have never known it. I said, they'd have never known it. Guess who knew where he was? Verse 23, so they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from the shoulders upward. Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen that there's no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. Now they're excited we got a king. But the focus for us is verse 22. He's, he's right there. He's over here hidden by the equipment. Ladies and gentlemen, what could God not reveal to you? What could God not show you? I've literally had God give me words of knowledge about finding my keys. Absolutely. You can go do the family search and everybody dig everywhere and search everywhere and, you know, look everywhere and do all that stuff. But if you'll learn to hear the Holy Spirit, I'd, I'd get all frustrated doing that stuff. I'd think, wait a minute, wait a minute here. I'm off on the wrong tangent again. I got a helper. Guess who knows right where those keys are? God does. Come on. God does. I, I mean, I didn't have ever in my life of losing something and taking time to listen to the Holy Spirit. I never had the Holy Spirit say, it's over here. Literally, in a sense, like I heard the words. But you know what? I had an impression. Go check over here. Go look over here. You listening? I, I love this story. Keith Moore tells about buying a truck here a while back. He was about to buy a truck, uh, a new pickup truck that he needed. And they were down in Florida looking at some trucks. And he found this one. He liked it. Started looking. How many understand? You don't do any decisions at all. You're not supposed to in life without being led by the Holy Spirit. If you led by the Holy Spirit, guess what you're never going to do? Fail. And guess what it takes to be led by the Holy Spirit? Faith. Your faith is an operation when you know what God said. So he looked at this truck, looked it over, checked it. I mean, every little thing and all that stuff. I like it. Go do the paperwork, whatever. They go sit down there waiting. Chris, you know how... I mean, it's a little quicker today, but still, come on, man. I mean, dealerships, to me, it's so crazy how long it takes to buy a vehicle, even once you decide, you know. 
And of course, that's all because of all the lawsuits and lawyers and all the paperwork stuff they got to do today. Instead of just simply saying, here's your keys, give me the money. <laughs> Get out of here, right? So anyway, they're sitting there for a while. And he said, I had this impression come up in my spirit. Word of knowledge. By the Lord, go look at this part of the truck. Well, Lord, I've already looked at it three times. Go look at this part of the truck. Go back and look at it again. You're sitting here just waiting. Go look at it. It's a brand new truck. So he goes and he goes, goes to look at it, and it's like under these seats. And he said, I got my, my, my uh, phone out and turned my flashlight on, was looking around, and all of a sudden I started noticing all the bolts underneath this part of the truck are actually sitting almost like a pool of rust. Wow. And I started checking another one, and, there, and it's everywhere. And so he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, to the, you know, to the sales person, come here, we got a problem. And he starts showing them all this stuff. He says, I'm not buying this truck, and they immediately pulled it off the lot. What if he wouldn't have taken the time to listen to the Holy Spirit? Get a word of knowledge. Thought it was a weapon. It is. That was a weapon of God to keep Satan from taking advantage of me. Any idea where that truck could have been? That could have been a flooded truck. That could have been in a flood somewhere. You listening? Could have been all kinds of problems with that vehicle. You want to know why we have problems in relationship to our life? We don't listen to God. We don't let God lead us. You listening? So that was a word of knowledge. Why? That's present tense. How did God actually reveal that word of knowledge to him? Go back, he had a, 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 a leading of the Lord to go back and look at this part of the vehicle. And what he did, God revealed to him, showed him knowledge. He knew that was there. He knew it was there. But how many of you know, you might want to know it's there. So guess where Saul was hiding? I know where he's at, the Lord said. Just inquire of me. Oh, he's right over there. See that equipment over there? He's over there. T- Got his little tail tucked underneath that, the equipment over there. Just go get him. Come on, somebody. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Tell your neighbor, I hope you're listening tonight. That was like three of you. John chapter 4. You're still with me, aren't you? John chapter 4. So here's the time that Jesus is going to the well at Sychar. Remember this? And he sends his disciples away to get food. And while they're gone away to get food, here comes this lady to draw some water. And she comes as she gets ready to draw some water. Jesus says, hey, would you get me a drink? Uh, she says, you have nothing which to draw, draw from the well. Meaning what? Well, I can't give you my bucket because i got to haul water back for my family. Right? If I give you my bucket, what, how, where am I going to put water for my family? I'm going to be able to take water back to my family. How many, how many wives glad you don't have to go to a well somewhere in town to get water for your family? I said, how many, how many ladies are happy? Yes. Come on. That was a lady's job. Man's at work. Lady had to go to the well, draw the water, bring it back to the house. You listening? So as he is there telling her to do this, all of a sudden what happens in the midst of the conversation? He shifts it over to the spiritual. He begins to talk about water of which he has. If you drink this water, you'll never be thirsty again. Oh, really? She said, tell me more. Look at this, verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband first. Go get your husband and come here. Now, I'm going to tell you why he said that. Because he has a word of knowledge. He doesn't have a word of knowledge. She has a husband. He has a word of knowledge. She, the, guy, the, guy, the guy she's with right now is not her husband. Present tense. Past tense and the five previous guys that she had were not her husband's. Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. The woman answered said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you've well said I have no husband, for you've had what? Five husbands. How's he going to know that? 
word of knowledge. And the one whom you now have, now have. It's not your husband, that you will, and that you spoke truly. What did Jesus just operate in? Word of knowledge. So not only did he get led by God to just show up at this well, I don't think God said to Jesus, because this is not how he leads us, so he's going to lead him the same way, rarely would lead us this way, almost never led Jesus this way. Hey, you're going to see this woman, she's going to look like this. No, you need to be at this well in the morning. So all he knows is we got to go to Sychar. Why? Because God told me to go to Sychar. Right. Well, for? I don't know. Right. A lot of times we don't know ahead of time. I don't actually think he necessarily knew that he was going to minister to a lady there. But when he shows up, guess what? Here's how you know. I know this by ministry. I know this by ministering to people. Somebody's going to stand out to you. And as that woman was coming to the well, guess what? Something about her stood out to Jesus. This must be why I'm here. He knows, he knows wherever he's going, God's got him there to minister to people. Right? Well, this must be the one I'm to minister to. And so he starts just a generic conversation. You can do the same thing. He did not have the word of knowledge until the conversation began. And once the conversation began, now he's got a word of knowledge that, guess what? You've had five previous guys who were not your husband, and the guy you're living with is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. How would Jesus have known that? How would he have known that? He wouldn't have not, with that not uh, had it not been for the Holy Spirit doing what? Bringing forth a word of knowledge. Something that was not only current, present tense, but also past tense. Could I get a better amen than that out of my quiet congregation tonight? Acts chapter 10. So let's go over to one of the disciples in the, in the context of the New Testament book of Acts and see this operating as well in Peter's life. Acts chapter 10. Peter's up on a roof. He's praying. So that's a good thing to do. He's up there kind of waiting for lunch, basically. And guess what they did during that time frame? Prayed. He's up there praying. There's ladies down in the home preparing lunch. He's up there praying, talking to God. And he's up there praying, talking to God. What happens? Anybody remember what happened? He sees a vision. Right? She comes down. Bunch of animals in this sheet. Right? Animals that under the Old Testament they weren't supposed to eat. God says, rise, kill, and eat. And in this vision, he's saying, Lord, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not to eat anything unclean. And it happens how many times? Three. Three times. Three times that happened. After that third time, the Lord says, what I've called uh, clean, do not call unclean. And then right after that, we see this powerful word of knowledge given to Peter right in the midst of that. You ready? Verse 17, while Peter wondered within himself about the vision of what the Lord had just spoken to him and revealed, didn't fully understand it yet. Because of not knowing what it meant, notice this, Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry of, uh, for Simon's house and stood before the gate. How many men were there? Three, Three men. How many times did the vision show up? Three times. And they called and they asked, whether, uh, notice this, whether Simon, whose surname Peter was lodging there. Where's Peter right now? He's on the roof. He don't know they're there. I said he don't know they're there, but he's about to. Holy Spirit's about to give him a word of knowledge. Peter thought about the vision. The Spirit said to him, underline that please. He'll talk to you just as he will them. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. Every time you read this, you need to say, I'm one of his sheep. I hear his voice. Now realize he's, de- he's in constantly daily devoting himself to pray, to talk to God. He's not just going about life and 
you know, all of a sudden Holy Spirit just out of blue starts talking to him. He's tuned in to God. God's always speaking. We're just not always tuned in. Peter was tuned in. Say he's tuned in. Peter thought about the vision. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Guess what he just got. When you read that, you should say something about that to yourself. What should you say? That's a word of knowledge. Why? Those three men right at that time were where? They're standing at the door. This is a word of knowledge given to Peter. Are you still with me? Notice this. He said, You arise therefore. Verse 20. I think we ought to read verse 19 again. I think you ought to get excited about it. When Peter thought about the vision... The vision, referring to the fact we know that God was going to bring the Gentiles in. The Spirit said to him, underline it. Say, the Spirit said to him. Say, he'll talk to me too. The Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. So how did he get this word of knowledge? He got it as a direct word from the Holy Spirit. Arise, therefore, go down with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? They said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God, has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. He invited them in, lodged them, and on the next day Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. When God gave him the vision of the sheep, what was that? What was that? What was that vision of the sheep? It was a word of wisdom. Why? It was the Gentiles that were going to be brought in. They weren't yet. But they were going to. Cornelius and his house, they were going to get born again. What was that vision? It was a word of wisdom. It was a word of wisdom about what God was going to do to bring those Gentiles into salvation. This is why you got to start understanding these gifts and see them functioning every place in the Bible. That will help you understand that was a word of wisdom given by the Holy Spirit. And following that word of wisdom came, in this case, a word of knowledge. There happens to be, by the way, three men standing at your door. Go down and go with them. Because if you go with them, that word of wisdom I gave you is going to come to pass. He didn't know that till he showed up at Cornelius' house. Can I get a better amen? So this is God revealing to Peter a word of wisdom from these men who were sent from Joppa. I really wanted to fit all of these three in our time frame tonight, but I'm out of time, and I do not want to rush through discerning of spirits because it's probably the most misunderstood of the three. But I do want you to write this down, if you would, about the discerning of spirits. So again, uh, we've already gone over the, de the definition of it. It's the ability to discern the spirit that motivates a person. I want to explain this for a minute. We've got a few extra minutes here, but I don't have enough time to go into this in detail of going and showing you examples. So I don't want to jump into it without us, ha us having time to do that. I, I didn't want to shorten you on examples of the Bible of these things so that you would start seeing them more readily as you go through the scriptures. I really could have taken one night just to do Word of Wisdom, one, another service to do Word of Wisdom, but that would just take a long time. And really, you should see by these simple examples what they are and start recognizing them in the Bible for yourself. But uh, discerning the spirits is the ability, again, to discern the spirit that motivates a person. Let me explain further. So now we'll get into these definitions a little clearer as we go along. Now, this is in three areas. This discerning of spirits is in three areas. Notice, and it is plural, 
Notice what it states. It's not discerning of spirit. It's discerning of spirits. Well, real simple. That tells you this functions in three separate aspects of what we deal with in life because there's three types of spirits that we deal with. You ready? One, divine. Two, demonic. And three, human. Divine, demonic, and human. Now, I'll explain this Sunday. It does not mean you can't see demonic uh, activity, demons. It doesn't mean you can't see angelic beings. You won't see a person's spirit. God will not reveal that to you in relationship to actually seeing their spirit. But you can see uh, demons. You can see angels. But a lot of people only think of discerning a spirit as, this is the way Dr. Summerall says, and this is why I want to get into this in more detail. A lot of people only see it as discerning of demons. Because they think discerning of spirits is seeing a demon. Well, if you saw a demon, that is a type of discerning of spirit because God opened your eyes up to it. But that's not the heart of discerning of spirits. The heart of discerning of spirits, again, is to know the motive. What's motivating a spirit and what they're doing? You understand? Because if all it was was to see demons, it would be known as the discerning of demons. Not the discerning of spirits. You're going to see Jesus actually recognizes through the discerning of spirits an actual good spirit motivating somebody. Because good spirits can motivate you and should, not just bad spirits. And the point is, in relationship to other people, if you know that about people, and I'm going to give you an example on Sunday of a situation in a service where Dr. Sumrall was, the devil can motivate people to come into church services. The devil can motivate people to come into your life to actually sound very good and to sound very enticing and yet be motivated by a wrong spirit. And if they are, they can take advantage of you. And how many know the Holy Spirit would certainly want to help you understand and discern what's going on there? So the discerning of spirits, I want you to get this. I want you to be misunderstanding or, 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 or confused about this. Is spirits, plural, meaning that it's the motive behind what is actually motivating a person to do what they do. So that's going to be dealing with the human spirit's motivation that's either coming from what? A good spirit, divine, or a demonic spirit, ungodly. And when you can discern that, I'll guarantee you what, you can protect yourself in a lot of ways as well as even protect your family and, in the case of the church, even protect the church. This is a gift that Brother Summerall said, I believe every pastor needs to have this gift functioning in their life because the devil will send people into their church motivated by demons to try to take advantage of their church. And you need to know that. You need to understand that. And I'll give you an example, and I'll actually give you several of examples of that. You know, it would be easy for anybody in our situation, knowing God's going to provide what's needed to build that building, to have, if somebody showed up and said, you know what, I want to fund the whole thing. I want to fund the whole thing. Just tell me what you need. I'll write the check. Let me fund the whole thing. Do we just jump on that and say, okay, yeah, no problem? I'll guarantee you what, that could be Satan trying to take advantage of you. You better know in your knower, we're not, we're not motivated by somebody handing us money. There's no place in the Bible that says that you're, uh, that's the natural thing that's happening there. There's nowhere that we're to be led by what goes on the natural. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for all your amends about that. But if you think that just because somebody's offering you money to build you a home or do something for you, that it's right and it's God, don't think Satan's not going to try to take advantage of your life. You listening? 
There was a time, and I'll share more about this in Brother Keith's ministry, where they had a person wanting to fund a building for them in Branson. And he said, the more I prayed about it, the more I got a check in my spirit from the Lord saying, don't you do that. And all of a sudden, the Lord showed me his motive's wrong. It's demonic. That's called discerning of spirits. And lo and behold, they never did it. And everybody they knew of multiple churches that they allowed this person to actually buy them a building and start them a church, none of those pastors were any longer pastoring those churches. You know why? The person giving the money controlled the church. Because they gave the money, guess what they told the pastor? They told them what they could do and couldn't do. And when the pastors decided in that case maybe not to do what they wanted them to do, guess what they did? Well, I bought the church. Serious, man. So you got to understand, we don't go by somebody just coming along with a bag full of money saying, hey, now if somebody just said, I just want to give you some money for your building, praise God, here you go. We're not talking about come and attend, be a part of the church family, and say, well, guess what? I'll come and be a part of your church family if you'll let me sow to that building, build that building for you. I'd like to become a part of your church family. What if we don't let you do that? You're not going to become a part of our church family? No. Well, then your motive's wrong. Now, we don't go by that question. You've got to go by the Spirit showing you that. You listening? See, too many Christians look at money and they think all the time, oh, God's blessing me. Oh, God's providing Oh, God. Did God really do it? Or did Satan do it? Discerning of spirits can help you understand what's the motive behind this. Thank you for all your amens about that. This is why people need to understand the working of demons and how they operate because guess what? Without the help of the Holy Spirit, we can be totally blind and oblivious to Satan motivating a person to take advantage. There's times people have allowed actual relationships with somebody else that seemed good and the devil was behind it. He was motivating that person to reach out to the, to the individual to be able to create relationship, knowing what to tell them to say, knowing what to tell them to do, that it sounded like a great deal. I can't even tell you how many times I've watched people get in wrong relationships totally because of just connecting in the natural and how that so hurt their life. Literally. I mean, literally hurt their life. Let them down a path of destruction. Let them down a path of deception. But what if you know the motive behind that spirit? God knows. God knows the hearts of all men. And we'll see more on that on Sunday. Do you think tonight? Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.